Hi, this is Amy Mulder, or Mrs. Daft Prawn, on Twitter and Instagram, and you are listening to the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Great pull, kid. I'm going to clean you out again. I don't know. I'm feeling lucky. To steal from the Empire? To just walk in like you belong? And you belong right here with us. I need all the heroes I can get. And we need to understand what we just saw. That's why we ask questions. As long as everyone thinks I'm in irritation, there's a good chance they'll miss what I'm really doing. What are you really doing? This is Questions and or Breakfast, a special Rebel Base Card podcast series. This is what revolution looks like. A Star Wars and or series podcast that asks more questions than it answers. Today for breakfast, we are asking questions on the Andor series episode 11, Daughter of Ferrix, which debuted Wednesday, November 15th. A not-so-well child has sidelined my partner for breakfast today, so sitting in for Gregory Cass from Ion Cannon is Jen Sapchakchai from the Long Take Substack and Fanthatrax. Jen, welcome back to the show, and glad to see you again on such short notice. Great. No, thanks. Great to be here. I mean, I cannot... Uh be a substitute for Ion Cannon's grasp of Star Wars canon. Uh, so manage your expectations, listeners. <laughs> but what, I'm still ha- still happy to be here and, and and happy to fill in for him. What you what you what you may lack in Star Wars canon, you more than make up for in accredited credentials. Uh, so, you know, an, an amazing writer for, you know, Fanthatrax and I love the Substack, uh, which by the way, I downloaded the Substack app and I'm like, ooh, I like that because not only like once you sign in with the email that you normally sign up with, it's going to come straight to the app. So there is your there's your pitch for the week. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. It's all right there. And I have to go digging through my emails like like a lazy person that I am. Um, <laughs> but anyway, and that... with, with and with Twitter imploding, it's <sighs> it's there for you. <laughs> Something's think... going to be there. Something's going to be there for Twitter. It, you know what it's going to be? It's just going to be. All the Star Wars accounts. That that's the beauty of this that I think we're not getting is it's just going to be the rest of us because we're all looking for the audience that disappeared. Like we're going to be our own audience. See how? See I turn that around. Hope survives. All right. <laughs> um, today though we are joined by friend of the show and co-founder of the Pink Milk Podcast, Brian Barry. Today, thank you for taking away from some of your many Star Wars-related efforts to join us for breakfast. <laughs> and I did want to say right off the bat, congratulations for your three years of doing this. Uh, it's just got to be a blur, right? It really is. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, listeners, I'm on Team Jen. My canon knowledge is not there because, <laughs> frankly, I don't care. I love Star Wars. <laughs> so hope you're not coming for that. <laughs> Greg, Greg Cass is just pulling his hair out as he's listening to this. We came for the fun Sorry, today. Love you, buddy. Came mm-hmm. for the fun. Mm-hmm. All yeah, right. three years is pretty bonkers. I can't believe it. Oh, three. Pretty cool. You know, and I think the bigger thing, I mean, you know, getting getting, you know, Pink Milk and getting the the After Dark folks together, uh, you know, you know, M and Chase and and Mark, I think getting Tom to sit down for 3 years has got to be the big achievement on your part. 
Because, you know, at the beginning, it was sort of like, well, we, you know, but it's like, boom, he's right there. Every, you know, every week he's in there mm-hmm. and he's doing it. And uh, I just, you know, I, I love, I love listening to you two together because it's kind of catching up. Thank you. As we were talking, you know, off mic about, you know, kids doing this and mm-hmm. that. But it's like, it, you know, it's kind of amazing. And when you kind of get into this family, it's just, you just kind of go along the way. And so now, you know, you, I'm worried about, you know, families on the other side of, of the, of the nation. Okay. Someone's over here doing this. Someone, so this is really fun. <laughs> I love it. All love right. It. Thank you. So the show is going to work like this. Jen, Brian, and I will take turn, take turns asking questions. Questions, mind you, that we have not mentioned to each other before because we were too busy having fun. Uh, these questions spur some great conversation, and all the pressure off is off to get the right answer because, well, these folks are going to be doing a lot of work after we get done with this podcast. So they're going to get all the hard work tonight, unfortunately, after we're done here. So, of course, there's a chance we could take one another's questions, which in case you better have some spares. Um, we're going to take a break from the Greg's list this week and a break from Greg this week. But since we have Brian here, we got a little bit of an insider, right? He was not only invited to the Andor premiere but recently was invited to an Andor roundtable with some of those writers. I'd love it before we got knee deep into this. If Brian, if you could take a couple moments and talk about a, the amazing premiere and those boots, mind you. Um, but B that round table, Oh, you know, you were going to get out of here with me talking about how amazing those boots are, by the way. Oh. Uh, however, comma, um, <laughs> that just had to be amazing. Can you just give us a, f- I know you did a whole uh, story on it, but uh, could you just talk about that premiere and then the round table just for me? Um, you know, all, I, I can't say anything without just saying thank you to like Lucasfilm and Disney for even inviting us. Um, I don't know why it happened or how it happened. I'm very grateful. And all I could say that entire evening was, this is stupid, like in the best possible <laughs> way. But I'm like, why? How? I don't know how it happened. I'm just incredibly grateful. It was very, very, very cool. Yes, Greg is referencing um, silver rhinestone boots with a very high heel on it that I was wearing. I felt, you know, with those boots, I hit 5'7". Mm. And it was great. Never been so tall in my entire life. Uh, <laughs> the premiere was crazy. It was very, very crazy. Like we saw Kathleen Kennedy. I my heart stopped. We saw Tony Gilroy at the bar, at the hotel that we were staying at. Um, all of it was nuts, and I did not know what that show was about. And um, if you haven't ever listened to Pink Milk, my husband, especially, and I talk about we've adopted three children through the foster system. And so that last shot of episode three with Marva and Cassian, like I was a puddle on the floor. And mm. here I was with a whole lot of Star Wars podcasters that I've known like through the community, but I had never met them IRL before, some of them, I guess. And I was silent for like 10 minutes because Star Wars has that effect on me. Also, if you listen to Pink Milk, You'll be surprised that it can ever be quiet. But after a Star Wars, the first time, I'm very quiet and very um, internalized about the whole thing. But it was pretty cool. It was stupid. I'm sorry. There is no other adjective. No. <laughs> the I, We were talking also, you know, you had taken that roundtable. And a lot of times, you know, because we tend mm-hmm. to listen to a lot of the same uh, podcast friends before, you know, like there was a great round table where you guys had a chance to guys and girls had a chance to like ask different questions of the writers. And I was kind of curious, you know, did they, 
how does how does that work when it's, it's like I'm assuming it's like, you know, I'm not we're not in the Zoom where it happens, but I'm like, I'm assuming is there an order? Is there a number of questions? How does all that kind of work? So um, I also was lucky enough to interview um, Mon Mothma herself. I was in a roundtable situation with um, Diego Luna and Genevieve O'Reilly. And um, oh, gosh, I can. I told you you're not here for the canon. So we're just going to go with Star Wars names with Cyril and Dedra. Um, it was a lot of fun. So yeah, you basically, it's just kind of round robin. So I did actually didn't get to ask Diego Luna or Cyril and Dedra my question because they ran out of time. Um, that was the first one. And I wrote, I asked some heavy hitting questions. And on this last round table that I was fortunate enough to do with the writers, I asked another heavy hitting question because I feel um, maybe a little bit of a responsibility without sounding too arrogant and full of myself, but like we're a queer podcast and Disney has not always been the greatest with queer characters. So I tend to um, try to ask very queer centric questions. So I usually feel fairly confident that nobody else is going to ask my question (laughs) when I go in there. Um, but yeah, it's smart to have a few different ideas just in case somebody asks a similar question. They're pretty, um, it's intense. Like you're in this old green room beforehand and there's like Entertainment Weekly magazine and like Telemundo people are there. And I'm like, I'm just a little podcaster sitting in my home office with all these people. It's it was it's intimidating. It's really, really intimidating. But I, I will say everyone that uh, that's been on the receiving end um, that I've been able to ask questions, they've all just been genuinely like super kind and excited. Um, yeah, it's a real privilege. I mean, honestly, it's just a privilege. And I'm very grateful for the opportunities. And you keep saying uh, a small affair. But as Greg and I, who were both at your podcast stage event at celebration that place was as full and i set for you know i set for hours in the podcast stage listen another one i don't think anyone had a bigger audience than you folks um amazing what you're doing over there thank you however another one however it is jen's time she's going to get the first question tonight um, as I, as I start to kind of look and hopefully speaking of not, 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 hopefully not taking someone else's questions. Uh, cause I had, I had a real tough go with this one. I don't know about, uh, either of you, uh, Jen tougher because you had a little less warning, but if you wouldn't mind leading us <laughs> off tonight, what is your first question? Sure. And I, I will say that, yes, it was hard to avoid just coming up with different variations on the, so what's going to happen in the finale? Mm-hmm. Right. All of my questions, I realized after I wrote them down, we're like, no, that's really just asking what's happening in the finale. So let's, let's try to steer away from that. Um, so my first question, which hopefully doesn't do that, uh, is that after this episode, who do you think is scarier, Luthen or Saw? And you can interpret scarier however you want. Like, Because I think to me, to give a little context, I thought the scene with the two of them was so fascinating because it sort of flipped my expectations about sort of their relationship with each other, but also sort of their where they might sit on the ideological spectrum in terms of their attitude and approach to the rebellion. So. Mm. Can I jump in here? Go for it. Go for it. I, I have to say, I think Luthen is scarier 
because I feel like, which is so amazing because up until this point, like Saw Gerrera has been this rebel that we all agree with everything that he says and does, but maybe just takes it a little too far. You know, you're like, mm, I was here <laughs> for you up, up to like eight steps. And then you took it two more. And I don't know about that. But the thing with Luthen, like Saw owns everything he does and takes it on himself. And if people want to join him in that, then that's great. But he knows that they're his decisions. And I thought that speech that Luthen gave to Lonnie at the end was very powerful and <clears throat> heartbreaking in how much Luthen himself has sacrificed. But what Luthen's flaw is that he thinks he's doing, knows he's doing the right thing, thinks he's doing the right thing. It doesn't offer you a choice. He's decided that you're on his team. Whereas Saw, I feel like, might not be nice to you if you don't take his side, but he's going to let you have your side. And I don't think Luthen does that. And I think that's a really scary spot to be in um, because it doesn't take long for someone like that to become the exact thing that they were once against. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Greg. No, <laughs> He's really on a tight a tightrope where he like it could slip one way or the other really easily. And he does have the focus that Saw doesn't. And I thought the the line when he was trying to get Saw to focus, because you could tell like Saw was kind of and you're almost like you almost like I'm thinking now it's like, man, you know, Saw definitely ADD. Uh, you know, and not like in a haha, but it was sort of like you could see him and he was like, focus, focus. Yeah. Like they've had this conversation before that Luther knows exactly what Saw is going to do when it was going to take him basically taking a gun away from tubes and going, now you're, you know, you're, gonna, you're focused on me. And it is, yeah, I think that Luther is more dangerous because I think Saw isn't, can't, you know, he can let himself get distracted and go, you know, he's kind of already kind of over the deep end where Luther is well aware of everything, but still can make those calls and go, you know, like if I have to let, you know, he basically has to let 30 guys burn. But I also thought at the end, uh, another, and that, that scene is so fascinating, but you know, when saw has to kind of make, he, you could see the wheels turn and going for the greater good. And you're like, wow. Okay. That, you know, that you almost like you don't expect him to do it, but then it was like, wow. And then he kind of smiled. I mean, just amazing. It's like, you know, you know, you won't get, I mean, I, I can't, th I mean, the, the, the acting in this and the writing in this is just, and we've, I've been over and over about this, uh, you know, since week one, it's just so amazing. We talk about it, but I'm like, just the way they execute those scenes and you're just like, it's just so intense. And you're just like, you know, like get the popcorn and, and you know, all that. But yeah, I would say that Luthen is, to me, Luthen's more dangerous because he still has most of the faculties going. And he, you know, even though you could see that mm -hmm. he was like, I was, but I'm not sure now, I, but he, he'll do it. But Saw can just, I'm in, I'm in, uh, okay, all right. And, um, but yeah, I think who was excited to go to war? Saw was excited to go to war. <laughs> yes, the, that moment where they sort of click into alignment is really chilling, right? That that one line where he says, let's call it war. And it's like, oh no, <laughs> they've teamed up. What's going to happen? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, this, to me, this scene was so complex because on the one hand, I, for the very first time, I thought, wait, does does Luthen influence Saw and kind of push him further on his trajectory to where we see him in Rogue One, right? Does he Is he the one who actually sort of mentors him and being kind of colder and more calculating potentially? But then at the end, it's sort of like, you know, Luthen 
almost in the previous conversation they had was sort of dismissive of Luthen. Saw was Saw was very dismissive of Luthen, and didn't take him seriously. And in this conversation, when he says, "Let's call it war," it's almost like Luthen's earned Saw's respect, and he's like, "Oh." you're for real. Like you're really here to do what we're going to, you're here to do it. You're here to get it done. And then, and that's sort of how they kind of like form this alliance. Um, but it's, yeah, it's so fascinating. I want that. I didn't get to go back and watch the episode a second time, but I did watch that one scene. I was like, Oh, there's so much, there's so much going on here because Luthen's also being very manipulative and sort of pushing saw to the point of being really paranoid that like, you know, you have guys everywhere and then sort of brings them back around to be like, see, this is what to kind of make his point. They're like, see, this is what we want the Empire to do. We want we don't want them to be paranoid and not trust anything. We want them to be confident and think they're invincible. I must have watched that scene. I don't know how many times. I mean, I've watched the episode now probably four or five times, but that scene like many more times. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite things that I learned to do with the show, because the show is so layered like we have not ever had a star Wars like this like mm -hmm. so much of star wars for me is in the subtext and like really invites you to play with it which is why i think i love star wars so much so this has been a very challenging show like for me personally in my relationship with star wars because this show doesn't really invite you to play with it this much it <laughs> kind of like no here it is and it's very like and, and and it's question it, it invites you to play with characters morality i guess more than like the the universe's morality um but i have learned to listen to the show on the way home as if it was a podcast mm -hmm. and so i just play it on my and ah, that's i it's a great idea it's um it's really helped with a lot of a lot of things because the show's so beautiful to look at that it can get distracting <laughs> And uh, it sits with you differently, I have to say. Um, so anyone, I would highly recommend listening to the show on the way home. It's not a bad Yeah, a lot of the writing them. does remind me of a, a play, or now that you're mentioning it, a radio play. I think it lends mm -hmm. itself really well to that. Yeah, it's pretty great. God, I love this show. So good. Bonus question. Do you think Saw rhymed on purpose? <laughs> oh, most definitely. Thank you. All right. That wasn't, mm -hmm. that wasn't going to be a full question, but I was just like, Hey, he's rhyming. Anyway. All right, Brian, what's your first question? Oh, you know, um, I want to know what y'all think of those two Narkina five aliens. The one dude with the really great hair. Um, <laughs> like, what was their deal? Were they just toying with them? Was it Andor's like were they going to trade like sell them off basically and get the profit or did something that Andor say get them to change their tune because like I'm really curious what was going on with that and like their squiggies or whatever they're talking about like I, I really love those characters and I don't know what their <laughs> attention if they if they yeah I'm curious. I yeah, I I would love a one or five. Even I probably would even take a five issue run of their backstory just to find out what, what, how they ended up there and, and what what they've been doing. But I, yeah, I to me, I read it as once they realized that uh, Cassie and Melchie were were prisoners of the Empire and not representatives of the Empire, mm -hmm. then they were like, oh yeah, we hate the Empire, so let's help you out. Right. Like, where do you need to go? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of my read that they caught them because, you know, like someone's trying to steal your ship. You're going to 
you know, cast the net and ask questions later. But then once they realized like, and then I loved their, their explanation of sort of the environmental damage that the empire had done and like how they they were ruined the water and the fishing and, uh, and all that. And that's sort of, and we've seen that throughout the show, right? That we, on Aldani, there's a similar, um, you know, the, it's a cultural destruction that they're uh, enacting, but it's, it's really nice to see people, average people, or in this case, aliens sort of want it being like, no, we, we, we hate what the Empire is doing. So we're going to do it, even if it's a small thing to sort of rebel. And I think it's yeah. it was, you know, we haven't really seen that many aliens, period. And so it was interesting. Yeah, because I had to watch them. And I think uh, thanks to once again to uh, our friend, our friend, Ben, um, Zen Kenobi doing another great Google Doc. He had Dewey. Pamelar and Freedy Pamelar. And then, yeah, I, I, the, the language itself, mm. like, uh, me see my, or my see my, you know, and it, you know, it has that cadence to it. And, and by the way, you know, he pitched in, in a thread, he had like, you know, scob the empire shirt. And we're like, you, you know, that, that the graphic, I'm like, that needs to be a shirt. Uh, cause that is a shirt that, that was just awesome. But I, I thought it went by quickly. The first time I saw it, I'm like, wow, they're getting away really fast. And then I was like, did they just take the quad jumper or did they all go? And why, you know, like these guys are, are Narkina five. Cause it says in, in, you know, when you're reading the captions, it's like speaking Narkina and you're like, Oh, okay. Yep. Cause otherwise you're thinking like, Oh, I guess they're just fishermen. They go out, but they can't get any, you know? So I thought it, it went by quickly. And then I was like, well, you do see him turn a bit. And yet yeah, it was just enough. Like I really want to get more of these two. Because uh, I thought it was kind of fascinating, but it, once again, they're only going to give you that just that little bit. But um, uh, I I like them, and uh, yeah, I, I like I like this scene a lot because like I love what you're bringing up, Jen. Like I think this, what I love, I think the most about Andor is that the Empire is the villain. We've always it, the Empire has always had a face, and so it was we knew they were there in the background. We knew the Rebel Alliance was in the background, but we always had a character. And now, like, the characters in, like, Dedra and Cyril and, and Patagonia or whatever his name is, like, they almost take backseat to the Empire itself. And then even the the, the, the soon-to-be Rebel Alliance, they're all these people that are coming from different spots who almost don't trust each other because the Empire's reach, is, their tentacles are so long that no one can trust one another right down to those prisoners. Their first instinct was to not trust them and saw and Luthen don't trust each other. Mon Mothma and Luthen don't trust each other, but they all know they have to work together. And like, we're going to hopefully figure out how these people can trust one another again. I just, I, I really liked that little moment because I just feel like it represented the whole in so many ways. It was, yeah. And I love that they didn't speak English. <laughs> or it was broken English because I think it really helped illustrate that even more. Just uh, their their dislike of the empire and their want for freedom was what united them. It wasn't language. It wasn't you know we're the same species. It was this the empire is affecting all people. It was so good. Yeah, no, it's great. And actually, when as you're speaking, it reminded me of an Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm not going to remember the character's name, but it's the Zach Braff alien, who's like the... Oh, the mole um, man? Yeah, the, the mole man fascist. <laughs> and so that's such an interesting counterpoint, right? Because they're both sort of not, un like, you know, for largely 
I don't want to say forgettable, uh, yeah. but you know, minor, minor, I guess is the yeah. word. They're minor alien characters who just seem to be living their lives and trying to go about their business. And they take such, they make such different choices in terms of yeah. how they align. Oh, that dude's hand painted empire sign was like so <laughs> incredibly scary. Like, oh God. Yes, very much, very much that watching what could be perceived as similar, similar people in similar circumstances, taking very different um, strategies to survive, basically. Good stuff. Good. Uh, all right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take us out of survival here for a second, and I don't want to bring the program down. But um, every time I go back and watch this, um, I'm really moved by uh, B two. And it brings, it's interesting because at the end, it, it kind of ties it in with Andor's own call back <laughs> home. But B2's mourning, you know, it, it's funny because you hear, you start kind of in a new hope, you know, you, you, especially when R2 and 3PO are trying to enter the canteen and, you know, we don't serve their kind here. And another one, like, I've never seen, Luke, I've never seen that kind of devotion in a droid before. And I would say, although we've had droids like Chopper, um, L3 from Solo that have had definite personalities, K2 from Rogue One. I don't think I've ever seen, I mean, R2's just had his moods, but B2 was, I mean, this was, this was grief. You know, he did not want anybody to leave, but they also, I thought it was really interesting is that the people around him took him seriously. You know, they, they were treating us like almost like like a child or you know, a smaller child and so forth. And I just wanted to kind of get your you guys' takes on what did you think of the portrayal of the grief by this droid? It's a tough one. <laughs> I just wanted to give him a hug and tell him everything was going to be all right. It was really tough to watch. Um, but I think in terms of if we're thinking about the implications of what we saw from B2 in this episode, I'd say it just recasts all of the, like you're saying, the prejudice against droids that we've seen in other mm -hmm. Star Wars stories as so much more sinister, right? Because clearly, and maybe not all droids are the same as B2, but clearly their droids are capable of feeling these deep emotions. And so it's, it's, it makes it even worse. I think that, <laughs> that um, how the way they've been treated, I think I, uh, I tweeted, the first thing I tweeted right after the episode is that the way that the people of Ferrix treat B2 says so much about them, mm. right? Because mm. everyone, everyone that he interacts with treats him like he's a person and like that he, that he deserves to grieve and that, you know, they don't, they don't just box him up with all the marvelous stuff, right? They yeah. let him, they let him grieve and they, you know, they, they want to make sure he gets what he needs. And, you know, uh, when he says, can, you can, can you stay to Brasso? I was just like, oh. I, I, I lost it. It was <laughs> What do you One want? One of my questions actually was like, that. who is, uh, I know. One of my questions was, who is your favorite droid and why is it B2 emo? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I loved B2. Everyone loved, but like he really did like as a character level up in this, like he had the mm -hmm. emotion. He was allowed the heart in this show, in this episode, I think a lot. And I, I keep going back to, I think it was Brasso who, because I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated with the idea of droid treatment in Star Wars. And now at Disney Plus, like with, with ever since The Force Awakens, more people understand droid language than 
they used to and i i'm like in this weird spot of i don't know how i feel about it 100 percent, but it's it's bringing in interesting dynamics but when the show when you first see him you know he's shaking and he shakes that coffee mug <laughs> off his head so someone was also treating him just like a table for a minute but then i almost think was reminded that no he isn't just a thing like he's not just a table that you can put a cup on it this little droid has real feelings and it was almost like that brought out the humanity in brasso in that moment um i don't know like i could be reading way too much into it but there was just i thought that was a really interesting thing to include because i think it really said something about b2 that he isn't just this just that you know like yeah he was charged all day but he just wanted to lay in bed and be sad like mm-hmm. and and i love the lady um that he called then it was like you know we need you we need your help over here. like they really did they allowed him to grieve and it was really quite beautiful um and it was classic star wars and he can't move he's a square but the way that camera like was panning on his eyeball at the beginning it was just so like it was so emotional it was so good yeah, for sure. I hadn't I hadn't really thought about the implication of the coffee cup. I think I had assumed that was that he was drinking, which makes no sense now. That he was drinking it, it was his coffee cup. No, but that's makes great no sense. because that's no, yes, it does. It speaks to the humanity they gave this droid that you would, you know, like like I okay, this is off topic, but you did bring up my girl L3 and I love her dearly. Mm-hmm. Like I know like in solo, it's the line that I have such a different read than what I feel like the the populace has. But when Kira asks about like when she's talking about when L3 is talking about the love connection between Lando and her. And it's almost played for a joke when Kira's like, but does it work? Oh, it works <laughs> to me. It's such a sad, it's really like she ha- L3 has to tell herself that it works because she's so, desperate to be treated just Mm -hmm. like everybody else that it's this thing and i also think it feels very to me speaks so highly to lando who doesn't ever really stop her from feeling those things like he allows her to have that like i don't think it's literal and i it that character really changed i think for so many people in in a very open way about how droids are to be treated it was a really great step from anakin and obi-wan's relationship specifically with r2 um but yeah i don't know it's it was a similar situation to that i think god i'm sorry no but i mean i never really thought about that in the beginning of yeah it starts off with the glass that's on b2's head but then it really and it and it almost kind of catches you off guard because you know it's Mm -hmm. also very you know but at the end, you know, when you're seeing B2 watch them take the you know, body outside and he's watching out the window and you're just like, oh, you know, I am just crushed. But but yeah, I, I think that, you know, I think a lot of I think a lot of that groundwork does get, you know, put in solo, especially in the droid revolution where, they're, you know, mm-hmm. L3 having to tell that one, like, I don't know, let's go do something. And they're just all happy as clams to, you know, because they just been, you know, they've been, yep. you know, had those, you know, restraining bolts on there just let it let them go um and you see it in clone wars like for me you know like um at the end when those three droids have to help you know rex and ahsoka escape you know cheap and i forget uh r4 and i forget the other one 
Um, and they willingly get, basically kind of give their lives for them. Like it really has, you know, it, it's kind of made a 180 from, like I said, you go back into a new hope where it's like, they're kind of like, Oh, you guys are taking everybody's jobs now to like, these are, you know, these are basically part of the family. And, you know, I, I love the fact that we've had that time to explore these feelings and just kind of let that go because it really has an impact. And then at the end, it really serves because after Cassian's call, you know, where he has to kind of find out, and it kind of has this bookend of this grief. You know, here's a character mm-hmm. that wasn't in, it. she wasn't really in the show, but it was really much all about her. She's the most famous mom in the galaxy at this point because everybody is talking about her. Um, but yeah, just, um, I, I, and I was having a hard time framing that question, but at the end, it's like, how do you feel? Because it was just like, I got to bring it up. How do I put this, you know, how do I do my best Jeopardy and put it in form of a question? <laughs> Thank you very much for, for letting me, Talk a little about that a little bit. All right, Jen, what you got next? Ooh, okay, where do we go from here? Uh, I mean, I really want to ask where do you think B2 ends up, but I don't know if I want to use up a whole other question. For <laughs> but I do want to know. I'm very concerned about him. Uh, let's see. Oh, I have one. Okay, so who were Luthen and Clea talking about in their coded conversation? Ooh. I don't know how many answers there could, could be to this, but it's so coded that I feel like there must be more than one. Oh my it, God. It took, it took the second time to dawn on me because they're, they are talking about two different subjects. But the second one, it took me one to realize, I was like, oh, I know exactly what, what's going on with this one. And it's very clever. But I'll, I'll, let, I'll let Brian... And let, why, Brian why don't you answer first then, since yeah, you seem to know. <laughs> second one, the second part, of the, the first one I haven't, I'm still kind of locking in on. The second one, they're talking about Andor. Because he's saying, like, there's a piece there, um, but there's other, there's other collectors that are interested in, but if we don't get it, we're going to have to close shop and all that. And I was like, ooh, this is good. Because, um, of course, you know, the Empire is going to be listening, uh, listening, but, um, but yeah, we're like, we're going to have to close shop. Mm-hmm. But it was like, I prepared for all contingencies. But yeah, I was just like, oh, man. When I, when I caught it in the second time, I was like, man, that's good. That's good. Because otherwise it's a throwaway. It's like you need to have that connection, you know, that you need to have that interaction before he gets, you know, pulled over by the cops. But it's like, oh man, the layering of that. But yeah, the first one I'm still I'd have to go back and watch it again. What did you think, Mr. Bryant? Um, I'm gonna be really honest and say I don't even think I thought about it because I was so intrigued by who was the <laughs> boss was Clea like actually like schooling Luthen or school Luthen schooling her that I don't even think I got much past that <laughs> I don't th- I don't I'm think we haven't I don't think we have an answer to that still I think yeah, uh, we've been asking that I'm for still, a while yeah I don't I, I, I mean I think the conversation between Vel and Clea indicates a rivalry which is mm-hmm. which got weird i got weird vibes for that uh <laughs> uh so that that would imply that they both work for luthan but i feel like the interactions between luthan and clay indicate much more of an of an equal partnership so um mm, i was getting vela vibes from clay and mm, talk. like they were ex-girlfriends and they're <laughs> you you remember right. Val when you broke up with me because you said I didn't do enough. You should see when you played some spinning now. Remember that 
what's Syntagat that I don't have? I don't like all this. That's what was really going on there. That's what oh, that you're was. so. Oh, I literally like that. And then actually, Vel Vel's line at the end where she's like, "I'm going back to Ferrix." Like Sinta's there. Ooh, it seems yeah. It's a mm -hmm. sick burn. Mm -hmm. It's like my mm -hmm. girl, girlfriend's hotter than you. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. And she liked me when I was dirty. You would you would never <laughs> go camping with me. But we met camping. Remember but, that? But, but Vel goes into the shop though. I mean, this I'm not I, like. <laughs> This makes, I mean, like, like she's saying, like, hey, I've got, we've got a lot of people yeah. out there, and yep. you know, they play by the rules. And Val's like, no, I'm not gonna, play. I'm gonna, I need to talk right now. So it, it tells me mm -hmm. that they've, they've been, they've been at this a little longer than just the Aldani, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that whole thing felt very. Um, uh, I'm so curious with the show and how it's like treating. Chandrilla, like it almost reeked of this privilege. Like, um, yeah, no, I'm this rich girl that um I don't need to play by your rules. Mm -hmm. That's what that was like this really Ooh, interesting, yeah. like like there's an I, entitlement. Yeah, it's like I of course I can I can walk into anywhere I want to walk in. It was oh yeah, it was good. Because even Mon Mothma like started to push that. Like, yeah, that's mm, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it was great. All right. God, I love that scene. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and answer my original question because like Luthen, I don't like loose ends. So <laughs> before we forget, because I feel like I, I'm loving where the conversation is going, but I want to make sure we actually answer. I actually answer my own question. Uh, but I, to me, I read, yeah, I came to the similar conclusion that it was Andrew they were talking about, but more specifically, I feel like the, the subtext of the conversation was Luthen wants to go to Ferrix. And so if we're thinking about the finale, it's like, does Luthen go to Ferrix? And I think yes. Leia was sort of saying, there are too many, there are too many parties mm. involved. You don't want to go there. Mm -hmm. Right. She's trying to discourage him, which makes sense because she's usually trying to discourage him from from taking risks. Uh and and then he and he's like, but it's it's all or nothing. Like we have to make sure like that this we can't risk losing this, this artifact to another buyer or something <laughs> like that, right? Like they don't want him to go be get get into the empire's hands basically i think is what he's trying to say so so that's interesting to think about if he shows up on ferrix in the finale mm. or not i don't know if either of you are blade runner fans um mm. i'm a big blade runner fan okay so clay is like totally clearly stylized after rachel yes yeah. i have okay. been the hair to, yes i have been wanting to go back and I, th there is no way that is not intentional. There's like, because it's way too, like, way too much, right? So it could just be a, we love Blade Runner, here we go. But I have been meaning to go back to that show. And I'm blanking on his name now, but but her dad, uh, Rachel's dad. I'm, I want to study their relationship <sighs> from that film and, like, bring it over to Andor between Clea and Luthen. Because I feel almost like Luthen, you know, there's been a lot of uh, discourse about is Clea Luthen's daughter, is she not? Like all of that stuff. Like it almost feels like Luthen brought her in and she was kind of his pupil. And now we have mm. the conversation between Clea and Vel. And then like she, like you were just saying, like Clea's you know you're slipping he's like no i'm just getting tired of it and whatever it is like she's challenging him she's the one who's like 
very cold like you got to take Andor out like get him out and get, like she's almost surpassed her master similar mm. to how Rachel almost surpassed she became something more than what her father ever thought she could be and I'm like I mm. anyways I can't I can't wow. help but watch that relationship I, that way I like that yeah. I mean you know some of the it's inevitable in some cases you get that that comparison but it, you know since it was Blade Runner was done so brilliantly before it's like mm-hmm. this is the prototype I'm like oh man but yeah I didn't really my mind that. went to oh does that mean Clay is a droid so that's where for a second I'm like <laughs> oh that would be that's where I'm at <sighs> yep. there's a ser- there, there's a like one off little Toby and a, and a, a droid that Luthen programmed to keep himself in check. That would be really twisted uh, and amazing. Because <clears throat> he didn't trust himself. Let's do it. I'm going to make a YouTube video right now. There we go. Clay is actually a droid. Clay actually created Clay created Snoke and went back to uh, <laughs> Narkina and pulled up Kino. And um, actually, yeah, there we go. I'm fresh out of tinfoil, but I like that. She's a, yeah, she's a Sith Lord droid. There we go. That's what, yeah, let's do it. See, there we go. And you've almost got your keyframe <laughs> image, too, where you're like off on the side and you're just like shocked. And then you give yourself an outline and it's yeah. like, uh-huh. play a, a droid. Oh, uh, and I could also put in there, but Kathleen Kennedy won't let it happen. And then I can get red laser. <laughs> there we go. And you, my friend, oh. gold, you are going to make a lot of money on YouTube. <laughs> Forget this whole like in-depth Star Wars stuff. Just really make off-the-cuff things. Throw a couple of keyframes. Blame Kathleen Kennedy for it. And I don't know why I've been I've been wasting my time for the last four years doing this stuff. I'm telling you, hundred mm. percent. That's where the money is. That's where the money is, kids. Forget Patreon. We'll just make keyframes. All right, Brian. I don't know how we can top this, but what's the next question? I don't either. Oh my goodness. Um. Well, I was going to ask something really basic about B2 also. Let's just ask a basic question because I want to have... Okay, to me, BB-8 is like a little lab. He's a little yellow lab puppy, and he's very adorable. Um, So what if B2 is a dog? Mm. What kind of dog is B2? I feel like... See, I really brought it down. I brought the conversation down. No, no, I love it. I wanna, I wanna say, he's a big old Bernie's Mountain Dog. Okay. Because he, like, his, I don't, he doesn't have the hyperactivity of like a, of like a collie or a Labrador or something like that. But Bernie's Mountain Dogs are really chill, but they're also like big and slow moving. <laughs> I like it. I like so, it. Okay. And and I can picture, you know, the, the type of dog you want to sit by a fire with you, which I feel like Marva does with B all the time. Oh, oh. I like that. I you know, the, those 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 little like those little bulldogs, and you can tell I'm not a I'm not a big on but the ones that don't move very yep. fast, but they have that very so- stoic face, but they always look sad. And, you know, English bulldogs, English bulldogs. Mm-hmm. And, you, you yeah. know, it's just they're kind of going along and they're not. Yeah, they don't make a lot of noise. They don't they don't they don't move very fast. 
but they just sit there and they just look sad. That and that's kind of like that's how I kind of felt. Where just like you know, B doesn't really have any kind of you know, there's nothing that really moves other than the tracks and the head going up and down, and and me trying to figure out what was the original purpose of that type of droid other than just to pull stuff and to have a huge uh, charging base. But yeah, no, it's, I I would go English Bulldog. It's a great question. Mm. What do you mm. think, Brian? I'm thinking like an. <clears throat> No offense, anyone. I don't know, but a little old lady dog, like a little Bichon Frise. <laughs> He's not very yippy, though. That's the only. But, 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 but I like, but the, I like what you're been. going for. He stutters. Yeah, he he stutters. He's youth. Yeah. No, I think I think he was like a little like um like a droid that you would find in like a museum that has all the trays to like keep tools and fossils and stuff like that in, and that's why she had him for all, all right. of her like collection digs that or a mm-hmm. little hospital or he was like a little like a rolling hospital tray nice i'm also picturing him in a tiny sweater now oh my god wouldn't that be oh jeez right? where is that lego where is that uh lego where is that advent calendar b2 in a little christmas sweater it's got to be in next it. year's got to be a next mm-hmm. year's advent calendar i'm telling you mm-hmm if you're ever gonna make oh, me pull the trigger on one of those, I need. Or you get like the the brickheads. You you need. That's basically a brickhead right there. Uh, I need a brickhead B two uh, in in my life, and then I need a B two at home to basically help cart around all the stuff that I haven't yet to open uh, that I keep buying but I don't open. Such as the collector's line. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think he's probably gonna crush under the weight of all your cards. Uh huh. Oh God! Yes, before the shelf collapses and all, it's gonna be. It's gonna be a huge. It's like boom, and then I'm gonna hear it. The next voice is gonna be my wife yelling, going, "That's your stuff. Uh, get that stuff out of here." Tell me. <sighs> all right. I think we. I think we, we've made it long enough that we do have to address in the next question this braids business. Uh, and this, whatever this Chandrillon cult, you know, thing that is, that is this chant of the braids. Um, I, I'm assuming we're all in bo- all on board with the fact that this is some kind of bridal ritual thing that is nuts. And I wanted to kind of get your take on what you what you all thought of that because it seemed like very harmless. Like, oh, this, and you're just like, oh, this is a lot deeper and uh, much more disturbing. Uh, you know form of their uh, culture i'm just gonna just gonna mm. lay it out there and then you guys just have to clean up my mess that i just <laughs> i got i got big handmaid's tail vibes from from it okay like they're wearing blue instead of red but they're basically the same <laughs> I mean, there are um, handmaid's tail vibes all over this whole show that's true that is like, very true let's be real yeah. yeah for sure uh so so i think that's that's what makes it really interesting because they they could have really done anything to make to right. to set Leda apart from Mon Mothma, right? Like, to, like they could have chosen anything, but to to specifically have it seem like this puritanical product of a totalitarian society it seems seems very fitting um, with what the show is trying to say. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, it, it they it definitely seems like because I think one of the lines specifically is like we cling to the old ways the old ways will keep us safe or something like that I, I should have mm-hmm. been uh, Google Doc with all the quotes in it up but um, and so it's it's almost like a deliberate regression 
Like they're mm-hmm. saying we reject modern times, uh, like contemporary, like what's happening right now we view as as problematic or sinful or whatever you want to call it. And then we're, we're, we're therefore regressing to a simpler time um, uh, where we were like the old, like, a, yeah, it's a retreat to old values in a mm-hmm. way that's really terrifying. <laughs> Very terrifying. We, we were, I, two, the one, first, it was genius. I, Cause to me, I think it's some sort of, of like, um, thing that I feel old ways did of right before a patrol hole. It was this like, let's um, manipulate our daughters into thinking that this is fine and okay. And she's really leaning into that. And I thought it was genius that they started that chant during Bix. We saw Bix and they mentioned again about the agonizing screams and all that of whatever it was that we were hearing in their fancy um, VR set. That's also felt like a stab against meta and the metaverse um, of whatever might be going on there. Thank you. Um, Thank you. <laughs> but like, I thought it was genius to put that in there because it made it so creepy, like right away. And um, we were talking about the idea of generational gaps. And because Pink Milk is a queer podcast, we end up queer coding lots of things, right? And we were talking about it from the perspective um, of like a word like queer, where people sometimes my age and older, queer has such um, a negative association and not every gay person has been able to reclaim it necessarily. And there's a lot of discourse in the in the queer community surrounding that word and younger generations have sometimes don't even understand that or or want to accept the history of where it came from it's just their word now and this very much felt like this thing that mon mothma and vel had to fight so much against and vel and mon clearly didn't win that fight against it vel is still trapped in that and as a queer woman (laughs) to have that conversation at that dinner table about why haven't you been married yet? So not only does she have to deal with, she was a, a woman born in that culture that might not have the choice of who she was going to marry anyways. And then to also have her queer existence erased by the same person who was like, it's like this double like oppression on that character. It was such that scene is so good. Uh, favorite Star Wars moment in a very long time. <laughs> but then to see the other daughter be so far away from all of those ideas that it seems glamorous again, and at the same time, under this government that is pushing, that is like, it goes, that line, that that scene harkens back so much to Padme's line of like, you know, the liberty dies with thunderous applause, and it goes to what they were doing. I... Oh God, I'm all over the place. I am sorry. No, this no, whole no. Like, got me so excited about like Bad Batch 2 where like because that is geared towards a younger audience a little bit, mm-hmm. you, in the background of Bad Batch, you would see the people trading in the Republic credits for like their new social security numbers and these imperial things and trackers and people. There's parades going on for the Empire. We're not far from that time. And to see that the Empire is like somehow making these old ideas that literally are stripping rights away seem glamorous again like 
it's it really speaks to the tone of the galaxy and was this other little interesting thing of how the empire's tentacles are reaching into all of the cultures everywhere and people are celebrating it and it really mm. made the empire the villain again and it went back to this idea of chandrilla which as the person who said they don't know anything about star wars canon like we most casual viewers don't know anything about it but we look at chandrilla almost like an alderaan of this like glamorous place that we all looked up to and to like find all these hidden things mm-hmm. that like that we were working away from that under the republic it is like oh god so yeah. good there also, I, I loved the generational stuff there that that conversation was really it was fascinating yeah and there and it's almost like the empire or who you know whoever's behind this push for the old chandrilan culture they're weaponizing the like youth's inclination to rebel against the previous generation right because they mon mothma mm-hmm. says it, it's it almost the way she describes it from Leda's point of view is like it's like a book club or Girl Scouts or something like that, right? It's like to her, it's just this like it's the one she said it's the one thing that she looks forward to. It's the one thing that makes her happy, right? Yeah. Everything else she kind of like sneers at, but this is the one thing that she that's her thing, and and you can see how conflicted she is as a parent, where she's like, I I want that for her, but I don't want this, right? I um, want that, but I don't want that. I want, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And did you see that look? that you know Leda gave back to her mom you know after she gets done with that and even during it where she's looking at her like she knows she's watching and she knows she's not happy with it but you know then you also mm-hmm. see mon who also has to wrestle with this you know like all right well i'm not up for you know giving my daughter off to this potential thug but you know she's against the wall and you can just see her over there just welling up and your heart just breaks because it's like there's so much and like i said there's just so many layers to this i agree brian that's just it's just an amazing what you know it's kind of like this scene that's kind of like you're getting ready you know you're moving on but there's just so much in this that you know i think you know, it can get lost sometimes in the performances around and everything that's going on, that there's all the all this drama that's happening everywhere. And, you know, nobody is is being is is untouched from this. Mm. Do, you, do you think this means, though, that when Mon Mothma, and I think I can say this more confidently, eventually gives into Davo, that Leda will be happy about it? Like, wouldn't that be twisted? Oh, I think so. so. This I love that you brought this up, like. It's a little speculation. Everyone listening, let's speculate responsibly, <laughs> as Force Center said. Let's have fun because speculation should be a part of Star Wars. And um, if I'm wrong, which Jim most certainly will be, let's just respect it'll probably be better. But I've like always been under this like this last few weeks. Like I think like I love that line last week when like when she said, I'm not thinking about it, and Draco or Draco, whatever his name is, was like, It's the first time you've lied. I was like, Oh, yeah. that is like you're like, oh um, so good because to me she's like she's in mon mothma so far that we've seen is not a great chess player she's learning to play the game she's been reeked with this privilege for so long similar to vela just walking into the shop that she's never had to really she's never had to navigate the system because the system was built for her so she Mm -hmm. is now being pushed Mm -hmm. to this other spot that she's never had to and I think in my mind, she's like, how am I going to play this dude at his own game? Because I am not putting my daughter up there, but I'm going to have to make it look like I'm putting my daughter up there (laughs) to get what I need. And it's going to backfire 
at some point, like that jerk of a husband that hopefully gets off before the end of this one grabs him by that stupid ponytail and rings his neck. I don't know. Um, I think he's going to use it against Mon. And I'm really curious what's going to happen with Mon Mothman and Lita. And then I'm really hoping that somewhere in season two, maybe that little Lita meets tween Leia and like tween Leia can set her straight on how to be a woman who can make choices and be feminine and a leader all at the same time. I'm Just down for that. that. I'm down for that. I'm that would be amazing. That, I'm, I'm willing that to the universe right now. All right. All right. <laughs> or Holdo. She can meet Holdo too. I'm good with that. Yes. Too. You're me- you're meeting these writers more often, so I just just plant those seeds. Just plant the seeds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You never know what they're right. going to well, be writing bi- next. My biggest thing that I'm doing right now, which is of no importance, but I'm really trying to get someone to put some pink milk in a Star Wars, and I have Ooh. you can't see this because it's not video, but I have a little puffer pig back there, and in my mind, puffer pigs produce pink milk. And so I just really need a scene somewhere in a higher public or something that someone's milking a puffer pig and it's squirting out pink milk. I'll probably be dead after that though. So if you that want the show amazing. to end, submit it. There's the sticker. I mean, they're gonna, like me. There's I a sticker, like Brian, right there. If I'm Disney, we're gonna go through all the colors so Galaxy's mm-hmm. Edge can mm-hmm. keep selling the blue milk mm-hmm. or, or the whatever yeah. color milk it is. So I think I think it's within it's within our grasp. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. If you oh, can have a pink R2 right in The Force Awakens, <laughs> if you can have that pink, the the KT droid in The Force Awakens, uh-huh. pink milk is not that hard to do. Yep. Maybe yep. Cyril can have that in his uh, in his cereal next season. Providing, of course, Cyril makes it this next season. Oh, God. Is that no, your next I've... question? Uh, we do have, I was going to say, uh, if y'all have time for another one last round of questions... Um, yeah, we still got some pieces Let's on the board it. that we can talk about. So if you're game, Let's Jen. Do Let's do it. Jen? All right, all right. Um, I feel like we haven't talked about Cinta and Vel enough. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if Cinta, because we know Vel is going to Ferrix to meet up with Cinta, right? So if they catch Cassian next week, will they disagree about what to do Ooh. that does take part of one of my questions off the board sorry nope nope that's uh that's what i kind of hope for you kind of hope for this uh crossing mm. i'm gonna say no because um i think i think Cinta probably did some things leaving uh Aldani that she wasn't real thrilled that she had to do and this is going to be her moment to be the kind of rebel that she wants to be and this is going to be where where Vel is the mirror to Cinta of everything that she wants to be but Vel actually is whereas right wasn't there like I'm this the mirror right. that I'm what you need you to, see. to see yeah and so I think Vel's going to be what Cinta needs to see Mm. I like that. And they're gonna have a really beautiful kiss, and it's gonna be very romantic. And um, anyone that's left questioning whether or not they're together can no longer deny it. And um, I love Bell and Cinta. Thank you, everyone, for creating them because they're wonderful. Mm. And we need a card. Like we need <laughs> a card to bring it back to Rebel Base card. Like I want yes. a card of them yes. kissing. Right? 
and let's like frame it like Greg, you'll be able to tell me. I'm sure there's a card of Han and Leia kissing somewhere in the Millennium Falcon, right? It's probably in that set that you gave me. Thank oh, you yeah. again for that. It's got to be on one of the Empire sets, yes. Mm -hmm. And then we get some numbered parallels, and we get, yeah, we get a pink parallel of that. Uh huh. Numbered. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. I, I love to, the, yeah, this, this show didn't have to include scenes with them and establish their relationship at all, right? Like, if you, like, plot wise, if they're just two rebels, then it does it. So I love that they they've had these conversations where, but but then it also ties in thematically too. It's very like it's very meaningful when Cinta says, you know, we take whatever is left, right? Like the cause comes first, we take whatever's left, right? It's like oh, it's, it's gut wrenching. Um, so so that's that's sort of why I asked this question uh -huh. because I feel like we've done so much setup with their relationship. Mm -hmm. And sort of how they kind of are not really on the same page in terms of like, mm -hmm. like, like Vel just wants to, you know, be wants them to be together and be happy. And since is like, no, the cause comes first. And so there's some, there's a rift there a little bit. And so I'm wondering if that comes to a head in the next uh, episode over Cat over Cassian, because, because Cassian did technically help Vel mm -hmm. with skiing and didn't, you know, didn't betray Vel, and so are they gonna sort of in the same way Clea and and Luthen sort of disagree about like how valuable Cassian is versus how expendable? Do we think Cassian's gonna go back? I think he has to. There's too much happening that he that he won't, and it seems like it's building because and I had like you know part of one of my questions you know it's like are we gonna see this back and forth between the the Krieger raid? And this funeral, like you'd see maybe them do where it's like interspersed with, but there's just, there's too many points that are aiming there, right? You had, we were just talking about, you know, Vel and Cinta. And by the way, in, in listening to your roundtable, you know, episode where they were talking like it wasn't, they didn't start off that way, right? But they had those yep. pieces there. But, you know, as there's, as the story grew, that relationship grew. And it all mm -hmm. seems very organic. It doesn't seem like it was shoehorned in there. It just seemed like no, that just that's just what happens. That's a part of the that's a crew, and it just it becomes interwoven in, and it's just one reason, another one reason why this show is so great. Um, but I I do love that. I I want that to come to a head. I want casting to be there because you've got everything that's happening that's converging, mm -hmm. and without him. The series is named after him, right? You know, you've got to have your star there because otherwise this box that Deidre is trying to get them all composed in is just going to blow up all over the place. Uh, what did my friends say today? Something about, you know, like there was an ad from the Greater Ferrex Tourism Board, you know, come you know, come, come to Ferrex. And I'm like, exactly, that that should be their ad. Like, man, you know, stuff's happening on Ferrex. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Come for the gloves, stay for the explosions. There we go. Um Get bricked I think, at first. Yeah, I, I've, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really that went dark really fast. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I feel like I feel like Cassian has to go back because, like you're saying, every all the plot lines are converging, right? Cyril's headed there. Uh, you know, Vel's going to meet up with Cinta. Uh, they're you know they made a real a big point in this episode to show the um, ISB officer who's undercover mm -hmm. right behind Cinta. <laughs> Right. Or talking to her in a way that made me very anxious. Um, <laughs> and, and and so I feel like that's going to come to. And so to me, I'm imagining, again, this is uh, ir this is slightly irresponsible speculation, but I feel like the same intercutting 
between uh, in episode three between the eye uh, and all the stuff happening on Aldani and the heist, I feel like we're gonna get the same thing between Marfa's funeral and all of these characters sort of like encountering each other and trying to everyone trying to catch Cassian. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, look. Okay, you're right. <laughs> I'm sure because Star Wars always plays it straight. Like Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars doesn't generally really give you a lot of like when you think so, it, it plays it safe a lot of times, right? But part of me, like, I don't know if you will. I keep going back to the fact that at first I was heartbroken that Marva died, right? And I, I don't think any of us thought she had it a good chance of making it out. But like, I wanted her to be in front of where her husband was and like make a stand and like maybe get shot there. But we're like, yeah, she did it, but she never got that opportunity. Right. Which is heartbreaking. And I thought it was really smart to have that happen. And Cassian can't go because we got to grieve with B2, which was really beautiful. Mm -hmm. But Cassian didn't get that. So we got to like, not see Marva's death the same way that Cassian didn't get to see her death. And so in a way, we also got to mourn with his not knowing. And I keep going back to that line when when Cassian comes back. I think it was episode four. I don't remember. But he's like, he's trying to bring Marva back. I guess it wasn't four. Whenever. Episode seven. After Aldani. And he was like, we can go. And she's like, you can't. And Marva's like, you can't stay and I can't leave. And I almost feel that, like, because they also had a shot of when Cassie went back to the hotel to get his box. I don't know how mm -hmm. no one. I Hello. Not, I'm worried about. <laughs> I'm worried about bed bugs in that hotel because they are clearly not cleaning very well because that box was not hidden. So, whoever fancy, who's ever over there in charge of fancy my space Miami hotel, should probably let go of those cleaning people because mm -mm, bad stuff. Um, but like. They had a really, they had the shot and right down to opening up his, the manifesto, right? Like, I almost feel that this is this moment and I want Andor to make the right moment because Andor's never made the right moment since the show started. He's not exactly a likable character yet. And is this going to be his moment to join the rebellion where he wants to go with his mom, but he also hopefully thinks that maybe he can help Krieger and all of them and he's going to have to choose to go there because he's going to listen to his mom who says you can't come back and have to trust that Marva knows that he loved her but he has to do the right thing almost for her and I feel that manifesto is going to be something because she wanted she tells him I'm a rebel right and now he can honor her that way by being the rebel and like that's what I want to have happen because I think it's right. really beautiful right but it, and this wow. episode sets precedent for that because he says in his message before he realizes that she's dead, he says she she would be so proud of me, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so he's very aware that the like the heroic acts that he did mm -hmm. in, in Arkina Five make him feel like he's closer to what she wanted him to be, um, and so it's just so it's so tragic that she'll never know. Yep. Oh. Man, Kino is so important. When he, I think that was that was that. I'm sorry, I key. I didn't. Well, welcome. I can't ever stay on topic. Go for it. Andor, like seeing. I think that moment when Andor heard "I can't swim" was this such an, a powerful moment for mm -hmm. Andor because he's like, "Oh, this dude did all this knowing 
he was never going to get out. And then it got pushed off. Oh, God. Oh, I love oh, I love this show so much. It's so good. It's okay. So good. Um, <laughs> but, like, yeah, I, I really, because Andor hasn't made that choice yet. And I don't, that to me, and imagine all of those, the bad guys, all of the Empire going to get Andor, and he's not there. That's true. Like imagine the implosion that would happen in the empire. Like Cyril is going to be gutted. I'm pretty. I'm I'm pretty convinced that Cyril is going to make the house of cards fall. It's like Mm. he's going to be the one that messes up Deidre's plans. And like I think my my prediction is that that she's going to get so close to cracking Mm. it wide open, and then Cyril shows up and is like, "I'm here to help," and she's just like, "Get out of here." Can I tell you how foolish I am? I was on Team Serial Redemption for way too long. And then came the stalking episode. And I was like, okay, yeah. Nope. Because Serial is my favorite character from the show. I think Serial and Edie together, their scenes Thank you. for me steal Thank the you. show every single time. Like, they are so good. They are both such despicable people. Uh, yeah. And I eat up every line that they say to one another. I'm like, oh, I am here for all of it. And everything, like, every line, every every barb seems to have so much history behind it. You can just oh, feel it. It's a lifetime is, of them just like hating each other. There is not, there is not, it's like subtext under subtext under subtext under subtext. And yes, those two play off each other so well because there really is like, you're 100% the history of them. Oh, God, it's so good. Oh, and and then this episode, when, when she says like, you're... The, uh, you're the mystery of your triumph has been vanquished. I could sleep easy. It's so, did not it's so waste, terrible. did not waste the opportunity to take a hit. And by the way, her bed hair, amazing. Um, <laughs> as someone who has not, I'm like, all right, that that's an awesome man you got there. Uh, but yeah, and I want that to replace my, Cyril avatar in Star Wars Card Trader because that's what's current. You know, I, I was Team Cyril and I had his I had his avatar on on my uh, Star Wars mm-hmm. Card Trader account, and I'm like, I I haven't yet. There hasn't been a, like a reason to replace or a better thing, but I want the Ed Karn. I want that Ed Karn uh, avatar to replace it because that was awesome. Uh, yeah, you you know, she's all business, but I was like, like there you go. Yeah, that, <laughs> that that's a woman. Ed, that's a woman who knows. That's a woman who knows. That Ed deserves to be in space, <laughs> Miami. Yes. In that yes. hotel, and you know what else she? You know what else she deserves? The bed bugs that were left on that bed. Ooh. She deserves to come home with those. Have oh. Uncle Harvey help her out of that. Ugh. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right. <sighs> now I'm just wondering why she didn't have curlers in her hair. Sorry, I guess Star Wars doesn't have curlers, right? Well, we hey, have space socks. Star Wars can now have zippers. Yeah, they can have curlers. Space curlers, man. That's what it is. And they just glow. They have different colors. And you know, no, but you know what I want? I don't want Disney curlers. I want George <laughs> Lucas curlers that are like droids that like fly around and yes. like you're going to like see all of them moving at different times <laughs> and it's going to curl the own hair. That's what I want. That sells, sound, makes weird sounds. Unta. <laughs> whatever it is like I or or that. it's like um some tiny alien species that's like there's like a bunch of them in her hair um like the, those little the little hamsters from book of boba fett for the huts <laughs> oh jeez. no wait hold up what trailer did we see all of the little did that already happen 
What did we see? We saw little mini um all oh, the uh, mini messenger droids. I know what you're talking. No, no, the uh, um from the, the Rise of Skywalker. Oh my god, the Rise of Skywalker, the guy. Woohoo! What's his name? Um the Babu Frick? Babu oh. Frick. Did we see a <laughs> bunch of Babu Fricks somewhere? Did that happen in the did We did. Happen uh Is that the Mando trailer? Mando Maybe. season 3. Uh, is that where it is? Okay, well, I want a bunch of Babu Fricks doing our hair. There's probably listeners right now are going to be like, you idiots. Like, why if you, do you know if where you've this still is from? made it an hey, hour and 10 in. In fairness, in fairness to us, we started the show saying we are not canon people. That's true. That's there true. was a disclaimer. So you were warned. Actually, <laughs> all of you that are yelling right now, exactly, you were warned. Sorry about it. I will have to have. I, I am going through a little trauma over the birthing droid from Revenge of the Sith. Thank you very much for getting that that voice down, uh, Brian, because that that droid just creeps me out every time with the hands sure with the hands, and you're like, uh, okay. I don't know. How- I'm just googling tiny Babu Fricks, and I don't know where this is going to take me on the internet. That's a uh, sca- Are you on Tumblr right now? Either, Please yeah. step away from Tumblr. That's either a great a great Friday night or a really <laughs> yeah. troubling Friday night. What the rest of your Friday night. All right, I. <laughs> all right, Brian. Uh, I don't know how we could top that. Um, let's let's start bringing this back. What's uh What's your last question? You know what? I'm gonna kind of stay here. So my husband, who is a casual fan at best, um, sometimes the perfect person to watch Star Wars with because he's right more often than I am because he doesn't get too lost in his head. Thinks Marva is still alive, and that's just a ruse. Could she still be alive? It's possible. I don't want that. I feel like the emotional impact of her actually being dead is important. Mm-hmm. And important for Cassian's journey, mm-hmm. important for, for Ferrix, right? As a community, I feel like. So to have, but at the same time, Marva's wily. Like, so I don't, I would, you know, I wouldn't put it past her. Ooh. But I don't think I want. I don't think that's the ending I want for the story. I mean, I think I would like that for her character, but I don't know if I want that for the the larger series. Mm. I mean, I'm going to go back to Star's places straight usually, so I'm assuming she's dead. And you're right. Like I, I do think. Oh God. And this show has done a lot, made a lot of unexpected choices, but it's not a show that is like, haha, twist. Nope. Right. Exactly. It's a it's a show that like has. Cassie and tell Kino to give the speech instead of Cassie giving the speech. Those are the unexpected choices, not like plot twists. So, I don't know, Greg. What do you think? Uh, you know, I'm I'm expecting, you know, as as we're talking about like what we you know everything is converging there, everything's happening there, but this series over and over uh, keeps kind of just giving these us these little twists, and it wouldn't shock me if it was a ruse to do something bigger and, and blow something up. Um, but I, I think at that would be at the cost of the great, uh, of this grief that has kind of, you know, kind of, that was the undertone of the whole episode. So it's, it's, it would be a gamble for him, I think if they did, but boy, would it be interesting. I mean, it's just been enjoyable to kind of be like, whoa, they're doing this and then do something else. And, uh, you know, we've got this, you know, You've got one episode left, then you know there's probably going to be a span of time. So something's got to really happen. I mean, as much as you, it's usually the penultimate episode, this one looks like it's just going to be a banger, um, and it's just going to go. So I guess everything's on the table, but they 
I'd be curious how they're going to, how they're going to do it. Cause otherwise do you write yourself in a corner? Mm, mm, mm. I'm so shocked by this. I like, we are so trained that like episode 11 in the series is where like almost everything happens. And then episode 12 is going to have like, maybe it's almost done, but there it's going to be like the residual, like the closing moments and, does anyone still to bring it back to your question that you want to ask the beginning? Does anyone know what's going to happen this ne- next episode? Not really. Like it's all going to come to fair. Yeah. It's some. It's going to be crazy. Way, no but like, like the show's going to have to end with some sort of like pseudo cliffhanger or bring something in. But like, what the heck's left? I still don't really like. I really don't know because this whole show is about. I don't even know. Like, honest to God, I don't even know what the show's about. Like, I know what it's about, but I don't know, like, what it, there's so much going on that it shows about so many things. There's going to, yeah, to me, the show is about sacrifice and what are you willing to sacrifice for the, for what you believe in for freedom. And so I feel like somebody, so whatever happens, there's that, you know, Mon Mothma is going to have to go through with the deal with Davo right uh and like i think all the characters are probably gonna have to we're gonna see them sacrifice something uh to go Mm. back to marva though you just made me think that maybe maybe a good compromise between what i want and what this other theory says is that she knew she was dying and said hey let's let's come up with this plan for you to mess with the empire during my funeral Oh my god, you'll be yeah, like let's go, Marvel. Let's put some let's put some um I don't know anything about um, she was investigating the, the tunnels or whatever, the ducks. Yes. So they, they found her like snooping around the stormtrooper tunnels or something. Is that part of the the path? Was is there a path running through Ferrix? I want her to put bomb juice in her cremation into the bricks though. Let's do it. Let's have like Marvel like blow up some tanks. Yeah, I'm with I'm here with that. <laughs> Something's gonna blow. Yeah, up. I like the idea of Mar- Marva rebelling from the grave. I like that. That would be. Oh my god! All right. You know what? Actually, that is some very unhealthy speculation. Because if I don't get that now, I'm <laughs> oh, going to sorry. riot, and I'm gonna go straight to your DMs on Twitter, and it's all gonna be your fault. Be like, you ruined the show for me. Thanks. <laughs> I love this show. Now it's garbage. Mm. Garbage. Oh, I love that. I'm I am very happy. I was worried at the beginning of the show, like the fancy like uh clock dude, the alarm clock chicken guy. I was really nervous that we were gonna open like the last shot to like a sunrise and have him not be there. And it's oh, gonna no. be really depressing. So it's like, oh my god, this whole town is like devastated, but the town is not really devastated yet. That could still happen, I guess, but I yeah. am very worried about Well, they that. they already had that moment in this episode, right? Because they mm-hmm. it's like the death mm-hmm. knell version of mm-hmm. it, not the wake-up call version. Oh, man. <sighs> mm. Star Wars is depressing. It's never been this depressing. Oh, and that's going to segue perfectly. And I, I've been, like, battling because, like, one by one, some of these other questions keep getting ticked off my, off my list. But I... I, I, I do feel I wanted to bring up, I mean, as much as I want to talk about Sergeant Mosk, and I was happier in a clam that Sergeant Mosk was back in and hopefully he's going to meet. But I, I do want to take a minute and ask, 
gosh, what's what's left of Bix and how does she make it out of this? I mean, she's the one that's taking it really on the chin at the moment. And as you can see, it was almost like the, the, the best makeup that didn't seem like makeup at all. But I mean, she looked like, you know, you know what, but just gave that that face just like like what's left. And I'm wondering, I'm, I'm wondering, like, what's left of Bix? Has she told anything, you wonder? And is she going to make it out? I mean, take any one of those bits. Um, these are mm. just fragments, but I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I felt so bad. Part of me hopes that she's playing them still. Mm. I mean, I highly doubt it, but she's got to get out of there. Like, you know, I would love this show to go on that we see a lot of these characters that became like major, like rebel leaders, but they don't run into each other again. Like, I don't know. Like, honestly, there's a big part of me that wants to. And I know what I was saying about Andor at the beginning, but like, it would be really interesting to me that if Andor, even all the way through the second season, doesn't always make great choices because it'll make that moment that he comes back for Jin in Rogue One really powerful. If we really know this character and it was really when he really sacrificed everything, like, I almost feel like he can't, that has to happen, hmm. maybe, mm -hmm. because that that's a really powerful moment. And this story can make that moment even more powerful. But like, I don't know if I want him to see Bix again. I don't know if I want Bix to see him again, because I also like, I agree with you. This show is so much about sacrifice, but I also almost feel that there's a big part of this show that, that we as, 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 as rebels ourselves have to respect other forms of rebellion. Like there are other forms that rebellion can take and one is not necessarily better or more important or harsher than another. Cause I do feel like these characters keep getting challenged with people mm -hmm. that are doing more or not enough, but they are all of these characters are playing equal parts, including the mm -hmm. empire, including the rebellion inside the empire. Like they're still doing things like, Dedra wouldn't have any information without Cyril at the same time. Like there's some like interesting things mm. that I feel mm. like I hope it. And if this show has proven anything, it's proving to be very smart. And I want this finale to not play Look at this. I completely lost. Oh, Bex. There we go. I'm sorry. I completely lost your whole original thing. But like, I don't want the show to go back to like, this is, of course, this is what's happening. Because you're right. There hasn't been an, ooh, I got you moments. There has, it's been really un, like, I mean, just Vel showing up and being Mon Mothma's cousin was like this huge, like, oh my God. But it wasn't a gotcha moment. It was like just added so much, so many layers. And Bix has an opportunity to, be even more layered and she's already a really interesting character um i don't even know if i answered any questions but you know there you go yeah That's i feel I like it would it would do her character just disjust um it would not do her character justice if she's her purpose is to to like if we fridge her and then Cassian's like, I'm going to join the rebellion now. Right. Like, and I don't think the show show we've seen so far has not indicated that it would ever do that. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really worried about that, but I do feel like, yeah, she has to play some or she has to either play some small part so that 
her suffering was worth it. Right. Or, or like either she, well, I mean, she, she is a really tough and strong character, so she could survive somehow, but they've already kind of established that she's probably suffered so much brain damage at this point from repeated listenings that it's not, that, that was sort of where I went. I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. is there, is she just going to be sort of like a vegetable by the time this is over? Um, or it has to be that we see that she's a, I don't know. Cause I feel like I can see the show having her survive, but she's so damaged that she's just a shell of the person she used to be. And that's the cost of the, mm. or that's what the empire does. That's bleak enough that that would fit with the show. Sorry. But I think it does add another dimension to, you know, like if you, you know, like if you go back to Rogue One and everybody who's kind of lost their lives in order to do this, the, you know, to push a button or to, to transmit the plans. But, you know, you see with Bix, it's a sacrifice on kind of another level. And, you know, I kind of was looking and like, I'm wondering, I don't, you know, she didn't say anything you know, when they were trying to show, you know, you know, Anto Krieger. So I'm wondering, I don't think she's maybe given away or anything. And maybe she's doing that at the cost of, what's left of, you know, what's left of her sanity, but there's enough there that they didn't get anything. And I, I'm really hoping that's mm-hmm. the case because otherwise, you know, mm-hmm. she's really suffered for, you know, for not a whole lot, but you know, it, it might be more, it might be really more, you know, of an impact to Cassian if she's alive, still alive, but in such shape that, you know, it's, it's it'd be better off if she had per- perhaps died. Where, you know, Marvet was mm-hmm. like a lot of grief, but a lot of it happens, you know, he doesn't see it. But in her case, it's right in his face, you know. Oh. oh but she was... might be the she oh. might be the one who protects Luthen because if she can mm-hmm. pin everything on Anto Krieger, because I think that it was very telling that the hologram of Anto Krieger comes up and they're like, Have do you know who this is? Because that indicates the ISB thinks that he's Axis. Which is totally wrong. So I feel like if she can push them and so that and then that shuts down Deidre's operation if they're like, oh, like Krieger's dead, so case closed. Oh, I like that. And I agree. And I feel like I that wraps like... up season one in nice in a nice way, oh plot wise. And I agree. The two of you are probably right in that she's not gonna come out, but I want this like I want this to be a Star Wars show and she's a okay and can be a kick ass hero later. Mm. Mm. Yeah, is not really a Star Wars show. <laughs> <laughs> not not in the Star Wars that we've all come to know. It's a, a another layer of that. I like that though. What if she? Yeah, because like why else would they have that scene in there? And maybe they where don't they're asking her. I, I don't think they would kill him if they thought he was access. Mm. Right? Wouldn't they want to capture him? It's the empire that's smart i don't know <laughs> this empire is again this yeah isn't that's a star true. wars show this isn't a star wars show these these empire people have ipads so the rest <laughs> of star wars are like pc users and in andor they're mac users so we all know that apple people are a little more elevated than everybody else this is really just you know plug for our friend over here these right. have that these have those like big hunking windows surface type i mean those these are tablets exactly. that could kill they're like you know they're like a pizza box they could really hurt somebody if you toss <laughs> them. 
when when you know Partagaz <laughs> throws one across the ISB, you know, meeting room like Oh, Partagaz, that's his name. That's right. I was happy to see by the way on a tangent um the actor who I th- or uh, there's this guy uh, Barry Gingell who is on Twitter um he is a graphic designer but they did the the Anton Krieger um scan is him so he popped up on Twitter you know a couple days ago and it was sort of like it was kind of funny uh so it is it's nice to see that you know like I think he's at was it Bezatron Prime? Um, but it is nice to kind of get a that that that's an actual person, oh, okay. and so mm-hmm. somewhat you know like so I, I'm kind of curious now whether or not you know we'll see more of this and and the raid and so forth. Um, but it is kind of nice when you get all these opportunities from folks, uh, you know, because this cast has been so big and everyone's just knocked it out of the park. Um, uh, but yeah, it's just like yeah. The- this show could not work if the writing and the actors were not as good as they are like honestly this is one of those shows that like too many things happen and nothing happens at Mm. the exact same time Mm -hmm. and this is like the antithesis of stars being faster more intense and this is like slow and like less intense but like less intense and like really painful. Like let's draw out like if that makes I don't know if that made yeah. any sense, but it worked in my mind. But like it's really <laughs> slow and it's very intentional. And and the pain in this show is not like it's it's Kino Loy's character breaking down over three hours. <laughs> not like get it oh. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm wouldn't... I'm really hopeful that this finale is going to be a huge payoff, right? For all the the slow burn character development over time, right? And then this is finally there. Are all these characters that we've been following along all season are going to be on this collision course, um, and hopefully, hopefully, there's a lot. That that's sort of my thing is like, if this were, and I love Marvel shows, but if this were a Marvel show, the Ferrex would be like flash, boom, bang. Okay, let's all go home. <laughs> And the, at the end of the day, it wouldn't really, it would be, you know, it would just be a big action scene. But I feel like in this show, there's so much, so much uh, character development and relationship building that they've done that there's, that everything, even if there's a big action set piece in this next episode, there's going to be so much, so much subtext layered on top of everything in terms of what this means for this character yeah. doing this and, and oh, this person's finally meeting up with this person. And I th- I'm just really looking forward to seeing that. I, I hope yeah, I'm I right. I love that. <laughs> Even if there is a really big action scene, it will not be the thing that we remember. Yeah, mm. exactly. Like, That's we'll really remember well the, yeah. Oh, I, I'm with you. That is, that will happen. Like, that's got to happen. And I do have more faith in action scenes because that whole, like, space scene of Luthen getting away was like yeah. really intense and cool. I still don't know. I thought those lightsaber laser things were like an After Effects job that someone did as a fan edit. I had no <laughs> idea they were actually in the show. <laughs> don't know how I feel about them, to be totally honest, but it was pretty cool. But I was like, oh, I for months now thought that was a fan edit. And no, I guess not. It was really in the trailer. <laughs> One of the most efficient ships in the Star Wars universe. Everything was working. 
it had a lot more than what you know it was like all those special modifications but they all worked and it's yeah. got a cool droid i mean i'm like man the you know the fondor is is where it's at man you know what chewy probably worked on that ship and han got nowhere near it <laughs> <laughs> you're not allowed to play with the ship Nope. Exactly. <laughs> Luthen hired Chewie. He's like, "Hey, I know you're gonna see me with this other scruffy-looking nerf herder over here, but like, honestly, you're paying me too much to bring him on board. He's gonna like cheapen your money, dude. Mm-mm. Nope, don't do it." <laughs> I love it. Oh, alrighty. Well, on that note, I like that leaving that on a happier note than the Bix. Um, I, I will, I, I will land this for now. Uh, but I did want to say this was an amazing episode, um, and uh, I, I think people are really going to enjoy this one a lot. Um, and I appreciate everybody for coming on, uh, Jen coming on for, uh, in such short notice. Uh, and I'm sure Greg is very, very happy and would be very happy to to listen to this one instead of uh, participating, but I know that uh, he will be back soon. Um, Brian, um, once again, congratulations on, you know, three years of pink milk and for all you do, it's an amazing, it's been amazing to watch, uh, the success and to get to meet you in person at celebration, which was amazing. Yes. Um, and all that. And it's, it's, like I said, it's just, you know, sometimes I think like you guys get into some, like some, a lot of great discussion and, you know, I, you know, Greg and I are sitting over there like, you know, yucking it up. Uh, but you guys are really got a lot of meat on the bone um, uh, for that, and I do appreciate that because that takes it takes a lot of work, and um, you know definitely my hats off to you and the whole crew over there, and like I said Thank for you. for Tom and the family for putting up with all this uh, nonsense. <laughs> but anyway, but um, in case people haven't had a chance, if they haven't heard you yet, uh, where can they find y'all online? Uh, you can find me and the show at Serving Pink Milk on Twitter, Instagram sometimes TikTok and on YouTube at Serving Pink Milk. We have a podcast that goes out every Wednesday where I speak with my husband, who is a casual fan at best, who's forced to listen to me talk about Star Wars. And then every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we have a live stream where we take deep dives into Star Wars and get real thirsty. And um, yeah, it's great. Queer code everything. So good stuff. And shout out to the Steam Queens out there who do a great job of supporting that chat. Oh my God. The Steam Queens, no offense to anyone else's podcast, but like the Steam Queens are the best. They are the best of Star Wars. So if you are listening to this and you're on Twitter and you don't think there's like a good Twitter Star Wars, uh, just follow me, not for me, like, because that sounds bad, but like follow me to find <laughs> the people that follow me because they're really, really great. Um, they really are tremendous, Greg. I agree. It was so wonderful to meet you in person. And um, I appreciate all the support you've given me from the very beginning. Um, and everybody else, it's been great. Excellent. Happy yes. Years. I couldn't believe it. I think it was back, what, um, episode 81. You can look back in the feed. We had a, a much longer conversation. Um, it seems like it was not that long ago. But when I looked back at the archives, uh, it was a ways back about... <laughs> See if I can slip that into the show notes and link. Jen, um, I know that you have been busy and probably happy that some of these series are coming to a close right around the time where, you know, 
we, you know, <laughs> the, the family needs Jen the most. But can you mm-hmm. talk about what you've been what you've been up to on uh, on the Substack, and uh, will we ever see you in Fanthatrax again? Sure. Um, I mean, yes, the nerd autumn has been very busy, uh, and it's finally dying down uh, with all the all the shows happening at the same time. Um, but yeah, you can um, find my writing at thelongtake.substack.com. Uh, if you're not familiar with Substack, it's a hybrid blog. So there is a site that you can go to and browse, uh, but you can also subscribe and get an email sent right to your inbox with my reviews. I review all new Star Wars and Marvel and then whatever other nerd content I can. I did House of the Dragon when it was on. Um, and I there's a right now there's a Wakanda Forever review that I just did this week. Um, so yeah, lots of lots of stuff going on. It's not gonna and it's it is gonna slow down a little, but it's never gonna stop. Like the we're in the the streaming era of of Star Wars and Marvel. It's just gonna keep keep coming. Um, mm-hmm. And then you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram uh, at Subchakchai S O P C H O C K C H A I. Um, I just want to say uh, thanks thanks for having me on. Um, I'm glad I could could hop on in a pinch. And I meant to say this at the at the top of the show, but I am also I am a big fan of Pink Milk, um, especially the After Dark show. Every time uh, I hear that Thank drink you. up, like it makes me really happy. <laughs> yeah. It's like oh, I'm home. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like it's a really good feeling to to have that in my rotation. Um, of podcasts um yeah and uh and i feel like you're you're every time i listen to an episode of pink milk i always come away with a a new understanding or a different understanding Mm -hmm. of something and that's really what it's all about i feel like in in terms of podcasting uh and commenting on all this stuff we love to watch so um yeah agree thank you for leaving me like first i thought i was gonna hide my tears during the (laughs) talk and now they're coming back with gratitude so thank you to to be very 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 much i appreciate that ah thank you thank you and um once again uh just our heart hearts are out to uh greg and the family hopefully your hopefully your little one is feeling better and we will get you back on soon i know that uh you know it it's been really fun to uh, talk about Andor and and really get this is a show that you can really get some hooks into, and it's really been fun to see uh, not only us talk about it, but the whole community and to kind of get these different podcasts and rotations and writing on it, and everyone's really kind of having fun with it. And uh, you know, it's going to end, you know, right before Thanksgiving here in the United States. And, and uh, before we kind of sign off tonight, I do want to say Happy Thanksgiving early to both of you and to uh, all the listeners out there. Um, we have a lot to be thankful for. We've got a great community to be thankful for, and I think I will lead off uh, this uh, holiday season by saying I'm very thankful uh, that I have a lot of great folks that I can kind of lean on and uh, commiserate with when we're watching you know, some really heavy Star Wars, man. Um, but anyway, all right. I th- We've already gone long, longer than we should have, but um, <laughs> i got to get these folks back to doing what they do because I feel like I've taken them away from their toys for a minute. Uh, and they have a lot more work to do. We've got, you know, we've got more pink milk to listen to that's going to talk about this, and we've got another long take that's going to be excellent on this. So we're going to sign off for this week. Uh, hopefully, we've got one more in us before the Thanksgiving, and we've got the big episode, and then then all the other podcasts can sit there and talk about that off season uh, while some of us are getting ready for Bad Batch season two um, and Batch for Breakfast season two. There we go. But so for- excited. So excited. But we will hopefully be back soon with some more questions. We hope somebody answers. So for now, we're going to return you to your podcast playlist. 
already in progress. The music for this podcast is brought to you under a Creative Commons license from Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. This is Discipline off the album The Slip. This podcast is not affiliated in any way with Topps, Disney, or Star Wars, nor is it endorsed by Disney or Lucasfilm, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders here in the U.S. and abroad. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com.